Thank you for checking out the Long Run Podcast. Let's be honest, life is hard and it can sometimes be just as confusing as it is exciting. Whether you're gearing up for your first job, preparing for a new semester of college, searching for a spouse, or you're just working to pay off your debt. As you jump life's hurdles, you can easily begin to lose sight of what race you're even running. Our heart behind this podcast is to help you make your life count in the long run of eternity by discussing how to passionately love Jesus and follow Him daily. With that being said, here's the next episode of the Long Run Podcast. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Long Run Podcast. I kind of just started up there. Did you like that? That's great. You weren't even ready for it. No. Robbie, you outdressed me today here. Those of you who are not on video, I'm sorry if you're listening, just audio. Robbie is wearing the blue polo shirt, and I'm sure you have Kohans on under the table. You know it. Do you really? Always. (laughs) For those of you who know Robbie, that's all he wears. But yeah, and I'm rocking a Memphis Tigers t-shirt, but no big deal. Robbie, welcome to the Long Run Podcast. Hey, it's good to be here. It's good to have you. What did I tell you? I told you fist away from the microphone, and you look like you're an arm length away. All I right. could put a tape measure there and right. get about a foot. I got to adjust. This is my first time on here, you I, know? I promise you're I'm a pro. St- I promise I'm going to stop picking on you halfway through. Robbie, you're our first guest of season three. Now, who is Robbie Flack, you're wondering? Well, don't click off just yet. Let's hear his Twitter linked bio. He's a husband, a father. Downline Emerging Leaders Director. That's a mouthful. Hmm. And Outdoorsman. There you go. <laughs> I didn't really even know what a Twitter length bio is. So hopefully that do you have a Twitter question? Uh, I do, but I probably haven't tweeted in like seven years. How old are you again? Thirty four. Do you, you said that with confidence? Hey, <laughs> I did check you the other day uh, about your age when you couldn't figure out how to like turn on the iPhone recording. <laughs> yeah, you said, well, "How do you record with these things?" You couldn't find the voice recording. You know what? I'm yeah. gonna stop picking on you. It's yep. it's too easy because then I feel like you're gonna come out of left field and really like give me a right hook. Uh, you just on wait. My own. We gotta yeah. I gotta get into it, and then you never know what's coming. You're gonna give me a right hook on my own podcast, which would be detrimental to me and my my fame that I get from this because that's mm-hmm. why I do it. You know. Yeah. Well, look, real quick, just a little bit about Robbie. Me and you actually met this summer mm-hmm. at a Mexican restaurant where all good relationships start, right? That's right. Las de. Las Delicious. You know it's delicious. Yeah. That Wow, that wasn't that long ago. It was like, what month was it? Probably June. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. But yeah, you're the Downline Emerging Leaders Director, which I've mm-hmm. kind of thrown around the word Downline and Downline Ministries in the past few episodes because I'm actually going through the program. So you, I'm sure you're going to talk a little bit about that and hit on what exactly that is and how that falls into your story as we mm-hmm. talk today. But yeah, yeah med- somehow I managed to brainwash you into signing up for Downline, which is, I mean, so far so good, I would say. But Well, you buy a kid Mexican food and tell him he can learn more about Jesus. I kind of, oh, and I heard 350 rent is what I heard too. And I was like, I think this is the God, God's will for my life. (laughs) (laughs) You can't do much better than 350 rent. I'm always quoting the office, but I think Cliff quoted this one, the other episode. I feel God in this Mexican restaurant right now. (laughs) In this Chili's. (laughs) Yeah, I feel God in this Chili's right now. That's a good office line. But yeah, Robbie's a solid guy for you, those who don't know him, which is probably a lot of people listening to this podcast. Robbie, he's the EL director. You're from, you were born in, oh, you know, you were born in Washington State, right? Well, yeah, uh, I was actually born in Indiana, lived in Washington State, lived in, in, in uh, New York State for a while. And uh, I have uh, spent most of my time in Kansas. 
So I kind of was born and raised, not born, but raised in Kansas. Well, I'm sure you haven't got this one yet, but you're not in Kansas anymore. Uh, I've never, what, I've never gotten that before. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but yeah, so you're, you're from, well, you spent a lot of your life in Kansas, moved to Memphis. We'll get into all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but just a little bit about Robbie. Like I said, a lot of y'all don't know Robbie. I'm getting to know Robbie as well, but I will give you a few compliments. Uh, you do live your life, you know, for the gospel. I've seen that. Um, you definitely, I love, cause you got outdoorsmen in your bio. I just, I love that. Um, but you have a few different hobbies. What are some hobbies that you have? I have a lot of different hobbies. My yeah. wife calls me hobby Robbie. It's <laughs> okay. like one of her nicknames for me. Cause I have so many things that I try to do, but, um, yeah, I mean, outside of like ministry and, and life and family, yeah. Hunting and, and anything outdoors. So hiking, mountain biking, running, working out, um, pretty into photography these days uh and that kind of combines like those passions so i take photos of hunting and all that stuff um you just went uh elk hunting over in oregon didn't i you? did yeah a buddy and a buddy that uh actually knew from kansas he lives out in portland so we did some elk and deer hunting um, cool. but yeah anytime i can get out and and get out in the outdoors and do some hunting um especially this in the winter about to be hunting season so about to get into it for sure that's awesome. Hey, a lot of your talents and you have some expertise and hunting and everything. You went to Kansas State University, got your undergrad in mm-hmm. political science and <laughs> economics. All right. For you college students listening, your degree will not determine your future. Yep, that is right. Uh, so you did that. Then you went and got a master of theology. From yeah, Southern Seminary. I just recently graduated from Southern Seminary with a master's in theology. Congratulations. Awesome. Glad yeah. we have you on here because you know everything now. Um, <laughs> yeah. I have so many questions. Any theology questions, just, you know, hit me up with them. <laughs> I'm sure I can answer them with 100% certainty. Robbie, something flag at downlineministries.com. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'll, I will give you this, Robbie. So, like, you have a bunch of different hobbies, but one thing when I think of you, which I haven't known you for that long— but the example that I see you set for the other guys, and I, you know, I'm sure like women, you know, going through downline, because um, you're the EL director, and then we have another director who's uh, over the women. Y'all work hand in hand beside each mm-hmm. other. Um, but what I see you doing is like your your things that you involve with, that you like to do, enjoy God's creation. You know how to loop guys in, you know, that enjoy the same thing, and take that time where you you know you could just do that by yourself you could go shoot archery by yourself practice bow hunting by yourself but you try to loop in guys or shoot basketball and you try to do that with guys to maximize your time and to maximize uh disciple making and discipleship and like investing your life which you i mean you've done with me when you know we'll go out mm-hmm. there and practice archery well you practice archery <laughs> i practice finding my boat my arrows. arrows over the target into the dirt and how then many, we go find them how many did i lose last week probably too many it was literally but, two. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, that is something that I feel like I'm not naturally all that good at. I'm kind of, honestly, I'm kind of an introvert, um, and I like my alone time. But I think just in order to try to impact people, I want to involve them with my life as much as possible. So, yeah, I mean, anything that I'm doing, whether that's working out, hobbies, anything, you know, that I just talked about, I try to do that with other people as much as I can. So that's weird because I know people naturally, whatever they are, and don't even get me started on these dang Enneagrams. We're not <laughs> even going there. Um, but you said you're naturally an introvert. Yeah. So why are you like putting yourself out there or like trying to? Of course, we need to like share the gospel with people, but like we're just talking about spending time with guys. And, I mean, it's kind of your job too. Mm-hmm. But you stepped into a ministry role, which is a very people centric, you know, vocation. 
Mm-hmm. So why are you putting yourself out there if you're like naturally an introvert? Yeah, well, I think it's something, like I said, I've intentionally tried to grow in. Um, I think I just realized early on, especially like in college, as I started to take on some leadership, I just think I saw that in order to lead, you had to build relationships with people. And that's like the currency of leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I just saw that being more and more important. So I just intentionally have gotten out of my comfort zone a lot of times. Like I still, you know, I need to refuel alone and like mm-hmm. reading and, um, you know, running. And some of those things are things that refuel me. But I really see, especially when it comes to just my walk with the Lord and like making disciples as obviously we'll get into, but I just think you can't do that in isolation. So mm-hmm. I think in order to just honestly just be obedient to what Jesus has called me to do, it is always going to involve other people. Mm. That's interesting. And you said you learned, you learned that the say it one more time that people are the currency to leadership. Man, that's like a sermon. I don't know. I kind of just made that up. Oh, well, that was good. (laughs) I'm glad we prayed before. That was the Lord's words. Yep. (laughs) So did you learn that you did not campus outreach? It's called Stumo. Yeah. Student mobilization. It's a college ministry, very similar to campus outreach, but I was in Kansas. I was involved with them at Kansas State. And then I went on staff for uh, four years at University of Kansas. I can just hear the regret in your voice when you say, but I was in Kansas then. And now I'm in Memphis. Because mm, yeah. Memphis is the move. I, I Rick Grind, baby. Places. <laughs> so is that when you learned that, like that kind of, I guess, the essence of leadership and like investing in people? Was that when you learned it when you were doing college ministry, like right out of college? Yeah. I mean, that was hugely developmental for me. I can actually remember a moment. So there's like a summer project that we would do, and it would be down in Gulf Shores, and we'd spend the summer living with other guys, helping them grow spiritually. And I was what's called a discipleship group leader, a D group leader. Mm-hmm. The summer after my I graduated from college, before I went on staff. And I just remember having a moment, I was leading four other guys that were um, you know, in college, trying to grow in their faith. And uh, we spent like literally almost every second of the day together, like living together on top of each other, um, just in this little condo in Gulf Shores. Um, Darn, sounds exciting. But I just kind of remember having like this light bulb moment where I realized like this is what it looks like to make disciples. It's like spending time with people, um, praying together, reading the, the word together, just like hearing sermons, hearing teaching together, processing that, talking about the future, like just spending a whole bunch of time together and like trying to bring Christ into that and helping people grow. Mm-hmm. And I just remember thinking like, man, this is awesome. Like I want to spend my life doing this in whatever context that looks like. Obviously the ministry, the, the job, if you will, has changed. Um, and obviously it's something that you can do outside of, you know, working in full-time ministry. I was like to talk about how, you know, every believer is in full-time ministry. Some people will do it vocationally. Right. Most won't. Um, but that's great because we need disciple makers in literally every vocation possible. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, back up. Hold on. You've yep. thrown around the word disciple like I think twelve thousand times. Granted, I said it first, so I'm not even gonna attack you again. Um, <laughs> but, I should make you define discipleship because I think that's what you're about to make me do. I'm not about to make. I'm getting tongue tied. No, um, I'm gonna say you've mentioned that a bunch. Mm-hmm. Would you say that's one of the biggest things that's influenced your walk with Christ and like who you are? It sounds like it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I honestly don't really know what it looks this 
I think this is true. I don't really know what it looks like to follow Christ outside of disciple making. Mm. Because I'd say that for a couple of reasons, but one would be I was personally impacted in college um, in my walk with God. Like I started to grow as this guy named Justin, who was a, mm-hmm. another member of my fraternity that was a follower of Christ. And he actually was the first person to disciple me, meaning we met up and we read the Bible together. We prayed together. We memorized scripture together. And that was like the context for me of what spiritual growth looked like. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the first time, I really like had a heart that was awakened to the gospel and just the word came alive and like mm-hmm. everything that he taught me or other people taught me um, just became real, I guess, and like impactful. Um, so I, I started in that. And then, like I said, I had the opportunity to start to turn around and impact other guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, following Christ is all about, you know, how can I get up under other people, other men, especially who can help me and train me to grow, um, and in whatever context, um, that is, whether that's ministry, marriage, just personal walk with God. Um, and then how can I turn around and invest in other guys and help them, you know, reproduce their lives as well. Right. So this Justin guy, he comes up to you and approaches you to study the Bible together, but tell who was Robbie Flack before that? I mean, obviously not the same guy I'm sitting across from today, Yeah. but what's your background? Did you like grow up like regularly attending church? Like did your dad and mom Mm -hmm. make you go to church? Yeah. Uh, well, my dad's actually a pastor. Uh, so that's one of the reasons we moved around mm-hmm. to all those places I mentioned is he was working in different churches. And then he took over as a lead pastor at a church in Manhattan um, called Grace Baptist. And he was there for like 20 years. Manhattan, Kansas. Kansas that's yeah, right. Clarify that. Yeah. It's called the Little Apple. <laughs> the Little Is it really? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's uh, known as the happiest place on earth, if you didn't know. Are you messing with me no, right now? No, it's for real. <laughs> Uh, I can't tell when you're lying. I don't. I can't tell when I'm you're not being sarcastic. <laughs> yep. Uh, and uh, it's a football reference. Um, we've been decent at football in the past. Oh, right. So, um, is that where you went to high school, Manhattan? I went to Riley County High School. Okay, we're just getting... outside Manhattan. All right, you're losing me yeah. now. <laughs> well, uh, and then I, I went to Kansas State, but I grew up in Manhattan. Yeah. So you were asking about family yeah. growing up. But yeah, my dad was... was a pastor. So I mean, we were always at church. Like we were the first one's there last one's to leave mm-hmm. um i enjoyed it and then i think honestly when i got to college i just embraced the world and really wanted to be successful get really good grades uh take on a lot of leadership like set myself up for a good career mm-hmm. those were my main things um that i was pursuing in college and so i went really hard after that um fun fact you interned Tell them about where you interned. That's cool. Yeah, I, I was a political science major. I really wanted to work in politics, uh-huh. honestly, which might sound funny to some people, but um, I love D.C. I got to go intern for Senator Roberts uh, from Kansas Pretty cool. after my junior year, spent a summer in D.C., and really actually wanted to go back to D.C. after graduation and work. Mm-hmm. That was kind of my leading option at the time, yeah. uh, what I wanted, and then life kind of got turned upside down a little bit for me um, when I really began to follow Christ as a senior. How did that happen? Um, so a couple different things. It, it wasn't just like one person. Just It wasn't like Justin just came up and shared the gospel with me. He was actually my roommate. Mm-hmm. Um, he was my pledge son in the fraternity. And so we lived together for, I think, a year and a half. And honestly, I just watched him live out the Christian life in front of me. Um, I saw him read his Bible in the morning. I saw him, you know, build relationships with 
other guys in the in the house he was one of the most liked members of the fraternity i saw him share the gospel like he would literally be in our room like drawing out the gospel on a piece of paper with one of the other guys in the fraternity Mm -hmm. Um, and so i watched him do all that and at the end of the day i think i just saw his life and i saw my life and i said man our lives look nothing alike like i'm chasing all these things of the world and he's chasing christ and uh, trying to make him known and uh, we just our lives look so different and so we just kind of started talking about that processing through that Um, and uh, I finally just got to the point where I was like you know man nothing that I've sought after has satisfied fulfilled I'm always looking for the next thing like what's the next thing Um, and uh, and so I finally just got to the point where I was like you know I don't know what this following Jesus thing that you're doing looks mm-hmm. like, but I want to be a part of it. Right. And so I went to him and, and that's kind of when we started meeting mm-hmm. um, and started studying the Bible together. And there was a few other guys in the fraternity that were doing it at the same time. Um, one of my best friends, a guy named, uh, we call him Rogie. His last name's, his name's David Rogan Mosier. <laughs> we call him Rogie uh, for short, but he actually started following Christ right at the same time. Uh, and so we we started hanging out a ton and we we're actually kind of enemies in the fraternity before. And then, uh, cause he's kind of a troublemaker. Oh, is that right? Um, Darn rogi. Yeah. He with was a name like that. You're not going to, he be, was uh, the ringleader of all of the troublemakers <laughs> in the, in the fraternity. And I was at the time I was the president of the fraternity. So I was trying to enforce the rules. <laughs> he was trying to break as many as possible. So, um, but we actually became Christians like at the same time. And then we just became best friends. And, um, I remember walking into his room that I'd probably been into like twice ever and being like, Hey, um, do you want to read the Bible together? And he kind of looked at me funny and he was like, Oh yeah, sure. It sounds good. And so we just like started reading every day and we just grew a ton through that. I think that's like those guys looking back, um, for those couple years in college, I mean, massive blessing on my life, like huge gift from the Lord. So right. that's been huge. So, uh, you talk about making disciples and Justin, you know, taking the initiative uh, asking you to sit down, study the Bible together, and then you kind of go into rogi and y'all getting together and doing the same thing. So how would you find, I feel like it's such a buzzword in church today, make disciples, discipleship. Like, where do we see it laid out in Scripture? What does it mean to even, like, make disciples? I know that's mm-hmm. a lot, but just brushing over it from a thousand-foot view, what would you say? Yeah. Um, well, there's probably three things I would say Scripture-wise. Um, for me, you look at the life of Jesus— and you look at, you know, just the what he spent his time doing. He spent it with 12 guys, like mm-hmm. 80% of his time with 12 guys. Hmm. Um, which, if you think about it, it's kind of crazy. Like, he was here on earth for three years. And yes, he taught. Yes, he healed. Um, yes, he was by himself sometime. But the majority of his time was spent with the 12 disciples, just like teaching them, talking to them, processing through things wow. that they were struggling with, which I think is, uh, is a pretty cool example for us. You know, we're supposed to follow like paul says follow my example as i follow the example of christ like mm-hmm. if we're supposed to be following the example of christ like we should be investing intentionally in other people yeah. so i think that's where you see it first and foremost um books like master plan of evangelism by robert coleman yeah. lay that out really really solid um if you want more information on that uh and i i think the other two things i would say is uh the book of second timothy is huge it's been my favorite book ever since you know college for me because i think it lays out discipleship so so clearly second timothy 2 2 paul says to timothy like the things you have heard me say and trust to faithful men who will Mm -hmm. be qualified to teach others also so you see the intentionality of paul pouring into timothy who will then pour into reliable men 
who will be able to teach others also see see four plus generations right there of disciple making yeah um and then kind of like a real key verse first thessalonians 2 8 talks about how it's like uh, um it basically says like we loved you so much we shared the gospel and our lives with you as well yeah. so it talks about how discipleship is you know obviously truth teaching people but it's done in the context of a loving relationship between people mm-hmm. so the life part as well so in short that's kind of where we that's like first you know where i would take people first and foremost yeah and i want to be careful about my next question that was good by the way it was really good um i want to be careful about my next question because i don't always just want to like pick on the church and say the church does Mm -hmm. this wrong the church does that wrong you know it's a bride of christ need to be careful but on the flip side hold it accountable Mm because it's just the people of christ we hold each other accountable and uh, and we're not the judge and juror of where the majority of churches in America because we're speaking for America because that's kind of or the Bible Belt even because that's mm-hmm. what we know. But would you say a majority of churches in our area, Bible Belt, what we've seen, what we're used to, like American Christianity, do you think they're doing like a good job of making disciples and I guess following the Great Commission or like what have we seen that's been common but maybe we're changing and like saying oh this is like the actual way we need to do it. Do you feel like there's kind of that going on? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I would start by saying, I think by the grace of God, we're seeing more and more examples of intentional disciple making happen in the church and movements mm-hmm. of churches making disciple. But I would still say, and I think most people would agree with this if they kind of look at the Western church, the American church, that disciple making really isn't a huge priority mm-hmm. in the church today. I think we've been in kind of a church growth movement um right which i think we kind of see is starting to pass a little bit but and explain that like what do we see the church doing versus what we kind of should be doing yeah and i know we want to be careful here but just surely and it's you know we're obviously speaking a little bit in generalities but i think mm-hmm. you can divide people's view and vision of the church into you know kind of answering what is the goal or the primary mm, um, responsibility of the church and i think some people would say it's to reach the lost and some people would say it's to build up believers or to grow believers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the church growth model of how can you attract the you know lost people into your church um, through making it really relevant, um, mm-hmm. really you know trendy a lot of times, yeah, yeah. Um, has primarily said the church is about attracting and um, evangelizing lost people, mm-hmm. which is obviously a good like a good and great thing. We want to see people come to know Christ for sure. Um, but I would say the primary biblically the primary responsibility of the church is to uh, prepare God's people for doing the ministry themselves Mm -hmm. or to help Christians mature. Right. Um, And I think that's what disciple making is. And so I think I would love to see churches focus on how do we equip our members Mm -hmm. to feed themselves spiritually, um, to grow, to like flourish in their personal walk with Christ. And then how do they then go out into whatever context they're in right. and reach the lost people around them with the gospel and dis- and make disciples out in the world. Right. And we're not saying motives are generally bad. We're just saying because yeah. we just you just identified two different strategies, mm-hmm. the same goal to reach and save the lost, um, but two different strategies bring in or go out, bring in versus what is it? Send out, just send out. There was like a, a graph or something I saw on a paper yeah. recently. Uh, but yeah, and so like you're talking about you know the goal was to have or the heart eventually for the church members for them to spiritually be able to feed themselves and to go and make disciples themselves 
what does that look like for a church member? Does that mean they have to teach a Sunday school class? You know, we need to just create a bunch of Sunday school teachers. Does that mean you need to go and uh, lead devotions in a high school? Like, what does that pri- – I mean, I'm an accountant, you mm-hmm. know, and everybody's got different schedules and lives. If you're a dad working 60 hours a week, you know, how you go about doing the work of the ministry is a whole lot different than yeah. if you own your own business or if you're a traveling salesman. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, no, that's good. I mean, I think that's kind of where the rubber meets the road, and I like to keep things simple. So mm-hmm. I just like to think yeah. about how do I, in the wherever God's placed me in the context of my life, how can I take the truths of Scripture and pass them on to the people mm-hmm. around me? And that's maybe oversimplifying it because it'll there are specific you know people maybe a a father of you know six kids or something may not have the same capacity that like a single guy might to have, you know, all these different relationships. Right. But I think first and foremost, discipleship starts in the home. So I would say, man, disciple those kids, like pass on the truth of God's word to your kids. Like that's your primary responsibility. Um, That speaks to the, like the stay at home moms too, because maybe a lot of times, I mean, people do this, you go into theology of work, kind of like what we talked about last week. Oh, my job, what I'm doing now is not important because I'm not a pastor or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, the stay at home mom, feeling like her job's not unimportant, but honestly, that's your most important job, mm-hmm. discipling your children, raising those children. Yeah, and we'll, and just to back up a second, like one of the things that I think is like one of the beautiful things about disciple making is it gives every single follower of Christ, regardless of the context of their life, it gives them this overarching purpose of, I can be a part of the Great Commission. I can yeah. be a part of living out the, the last command that Jesus ever gave us by mm-hmm. passing on you know, the gospel and my life to other people. So yeah, for the mom, like she can do that, um, for the, you know, whatever context that's in. Um, and I think Titus two, uh, is a really good chapter for people wanting to like dig Mm -hmm. into that more. It just basically talks about how the older men teach the younger men, the older women teach the younger women. And I don't think that's specifically talking about age, although I think that is a factor, Mm -hmm. but just spiritual maturity wise, like the more mature spiritually, uh, men and women teach those that are less mature. So I think yeah. that's a good church-wide model for disciple-making. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're mature. Um, you're growing in maturity. Obviously, we're never fully mature, right? Um, especially you, but... Uh, <laughs> Trust me, I know spiritually <laughs> and physically. I'm a child. <laughs> child of God. <laughs> yeah, uh, so, you know, taking people who are, you know, more mature, growing, but but more mature, and then saying, who is less mature around you? So whether that's um, your neighbor, uh, someone you work with, a new believer um, that you met at church, uh, a guy in the youth group, um, same for, you know, guys and girls, but just who are those that are less mature that you uh, could help grow and like help them grow onto maturity? Yeah. And like literally anyone can do that. And it's awesome. For sure. For sure. All right, Robbie. So uh, during orientation week, <laughs> I saw this graph that was uh, one of these ministries came in and they put a graph up and it had to do with the gospel, life, and love. Mm-hmm. It was like a Venn diagram of like three circles, it's talking about this is what happens if you don't if you don't what is it if you don't have actually, let me back up if you have life and you have love but you don't have the gospel you're powerless. Mm-hmm. If you have the gospel and life but with no love you're legalistic. If you have love in the gospel but no life, it's probably like shallow. shallow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's what I was going with. And I see that applied to like discipleship. If we look at what we're doing, I think is what most common. Like, and I'm not trying to dog on. Oh, you're just teaching Sunday school. We're not making really disciples here. 
Now that's setting up pillars. Like those are important mm-hmm. pillars for teaching the church. Um, but when it comes to like, all right, I see a guy and I see so much potential for him to follow Christ or, and I'm saying I'm just like overly spiritual, but I see where he just needs a little accountability in his life or like, me just being here on Sunday morning, he doesn't know what it really looks like to share the gospel, to follow Christ. All these little bitty things of the day-to-day, of, you know, like what it takes, what people have shown me by the grace of God, you know. And so what he's missing in his life is my life, you know what I mean, in a mm-hmm. sense. Not just mine, just because, oh, it's my life. Yeah. But somebody to do life together, and that's mm-hmm. kind of like a— you know, a common phrase, oh, you got to do life, you got to do community. Life but life. But that's kind of what you're hitting at here. Like, we have love, we have the gospel, hopefully, in a lot of these churches, but we just need to give a little more life. We need to be, another buzzword, intentional. I feel like it's thrown around, but it's like the only word that fits it. Mm-hmm. We have to be more intentional with our relationships. And like I brought up, what I just like compliment you on is being intentional with this time that you could easily take just to do yourself. Oh, I can go work out by myself. I can go fish by myself. This is my time away. Uh, you know, like the baby's taken care of work is over there. I just need to get away for a second. It's like, you know what? I'll live if someone else comes alongside me and how much more can they gain just spending an hour with me and like just Mm -hmm. hearing what's going on in their life and more just, you know, check up on, you know, you're making it brother, but like taking a step forward and not just maintenance and defense on the spiritual life, but a little bit of offense. How's your walk with Christ going? And really asking some Mm -hmm. questions that, that make you think and stuff. So I think that's super awesome. Um, If I wanted to start, like I'm hearing all this maybe for the first time if I'm listening yeah. right now, or maybe I've heard this thrown around, and it's like okay, that okay, you know I've heard that. I know I need to make disciples. What does that What does that mean? And we're kind of throwing around a lot of things. But if I wanted to start making disciples to, tomorrow, like I'm fired up right now listening to mm-hmm. this, what would you tell me would be the first thing I'd do? There's a few things, but what would be like the first thing you think I should start with? Very first thing. Hmm. Of course, everybody's coming from a different place, so I know it's kind of hard just to throw a label on it. Yeah. But what would you just generally say? Well, this is not supposed to sound like the really spiritual answer, although it is, but I would say to pray. I know you're going to say it. I know. I'm glad you said Uh, it, though. Well, and the reason I say that is because it was the first thing Jesus did. When he is in Mark 3, if you go back and look, he had a big group of disciples people that would come in and hear and follow him around. And then it says he, he basically went and he it's in Luke and in Mark, but it talks about how he went away for like a whole night and prayed. And then he went back and, and selected the 12. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say start with prayer is um, just ask God, who is someone that I could invest my life in mm-hmm. and just pray that every single day. And I don't think, I think God wants to answer that prayer. I think that's a mm-hmm. prayer he consistently answers to those that ask is, you know, if even if I'm sure if you thought about it, pe- people's faces and names would pop into your, your mind right now. But even if that wasn't the case, I think if you started praying for, you know, God, who is someone that I could invest my life in, that I could teach, um, that I could spend time with, that I could, you know, just get together and read the Bible with, um, I think he would start to bring people into your life that you could do that. Um, so I'd say that that'd be a good place to start and then just start small, like get together with that person and say, Hey, let's read through the gospel of John Mm -hmm. one chapter a week. And let's, you know, talk about what we observe, like Mm -hmm. what does Jesus say? Um, and then how can we, how can we imitate Jesus in our lives? How can Mm -hmm. we apply that? Um, 
that's really, I mean, I think all we're talking about, especially starting out, is just finding people who may not right. know as much as you or may not be living it out, spend a lot of time together, center it around the word, and just do that for a long time. Right. There's a lot more principles that you can dive into, that you can learn. You can really narrow this down, but we're just mm-hmm. like a, a brushing over it pretty broadly. And, and like y'all at Downline, before we came into it, y'all gave us like summer reading. Never thought I would <laughs> actually complete summer reading. Like summer school. <laughs> but the book was only like <laughs> a quarter of an inch thick. Yeah. I almost didn't get to it. It was tough, man. But um, y'all, y'all gave us two. One was What is the Gospel? The mm-hmm. other one was Discipleship by... Yeah, discipling by Mark Dever, Nine Marks Ministries. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so discipling, and I remember on the front cover there in a little circle, it just had discipling in the top heading, and then there in the circle it said helping others follow Christ. And I think that's the best way to define it is you're helping yep. others follow Christ. And that, but you might be listening to this and you're like, I need help following Christ. Mm-hmm. And what would you say to somebody that's kind of from that perspective? Yeah, well, I mean, I think. If that's where you are, if you're like, I need help, that's the best place to be because chances are if you're hearing this, you can probably find someone that if you walked up to them and said, hey, I feel like I need a lot of growth in my life. I want to make disciples. I don't really feel like I'm ready or I'm equipped or I know enough. Will you help me grow? Like if you like people in ministry, especially really anyone with a heart for Mm -hmm. disciple making. But, you know, we long for people to say that to us because it's, you know, that's essentially someone that's hungry, that, that has a fire lit underneath them to grow. And I guarantee there will be people that will want to help you do that. And then you can start to take whatever they teach you and mm-hmm. just turn around and start teaching that to other people. Yeah. And there, there is also a balance, too, because, I mean, I think of a lot of people come to mind that have not had like a formal discipleship relationship mm-hmm. or they said under a good Sunday school teacher I mean they were friends but it was none of this hey let's get in the word every Friday morning you know what I mean you come over sure. to my house see how I love my wife all this stuff um, but like if you if you if you need to come to the point where you can feed yourself and if you need that guidance if you really have a lot of questions and just too many questions to Google every day like you know you know probably the most effective thing and time saving thing and efficient thing is to go reach out to somebody in your church mm-hmm most likely older and like you just said and reach out to them and say hey i have a bunch of questions i just you know, like you just said i want to yeah. grow like can you help me mm-hmm. and i think hopefully they say yes you know what i mean like uh, yeah just don't overcomplicate it i mean that's right. my biggest thing with disciple making is just keep it simple yeah uh and just say hey will you help me grow absolutely in my faith? would you have any i would say advice for somebody that like <laughs> I don't know why you were just so done with this question when I, before I even got it out of my mouth. No, this is awesome. My question feels unworthy now. Do you have any advice for somebody wanting to start out making disciples? I mean, you just kind of gave me the first next step, you know, mm-hmm. pray. But what would be just general advice, simple advice, broad overview as you begin on this for the person wanting to start to invest in their life and have intentional friendships with people to influence them towards Christ? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think just trying to get as much, you know, discipleship training as you can. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of, you know, I would say, I guess, curriculum out there, but just someone that can help you grow in a vision, deeper vision. Um, you always need to be like learning more. Like we never reach a point where we learn enough. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just listening to talks on the great commission or how, you know, 
how to make disciples. Like get a few people that you really trust and like just learn a ton from them, whether that's sermons or mm-hmm. um, online, you know, stuff. Like there's just so much out there um, right. like that's available. Um, so always have, you know, continue to grow yourself um, and then just make a plan for disciple making. Like I, I always think with, if I'm trying to disciple one, I'm always someone, I'm always thinking, where are they? Where are they going? And then what's the next step? Right. So just keep it simple. Where are they? Okay. They, you know, they need to learn how to get in the word for themselves. Okay. Um, where do we want them to go? Right. Self feeder from the word. What's the next step? Well, Hey, maybe we get together and we read a passage and I, you know, show them three questions to ask or something, right. but just kind of mentally think through where is this person and where do I want to take them? Right. And then you can, you know, before you can disciple 10 people, you got to disciple one. So just start small and then, um, see what God does. Mm-hmm. And, and my last question, just because I, I'm a big, like, I want to know the why mm-hmm. I'm like big picture. You know, you talk about this thing, you know, invest in your life sounds kind of like spiritual mentorship. You know, maybe I haven't been so good about it. Or what's the big deal if I don't do it? You know, they're coming to church. They're still going to Sunday school. But the only you did kind of raise my, my my eyebrows raised when you said, well, Jesus spent, you know, 80, 85% of his time with only 12 guys. It's like, why did mm-hmm. Jesus do that? Yeah, he did preach to crowds. But why is this, I, I'm going to say the most effective, because if you go off the book of the master plan of evangelism, this was the master's plan. Yeah. Why is this the most effective? Why is should this be um, this important to us? Well, you could probably give a lot of answers, but I think, I mean, first and foremost is it's the last command of Jesus. It's the only way that Jesus has given us to reach the world with the gospel. So well, hold up. What do you mean? Because, I mean, I can get on a plane right now and go just start sharing the gospel. But what do you mean mm-hmm. this is the only, like, investing my life in others? Well, meaning when Jesus was here on earth— he invested strategically, specifically mm-hmm. in 12 men. One of them would betray him. But then you had the 11 uh, on the hill outside Galilee, mm-hmm. and he is about to leave and go back into heaven. And he says, here's my command to y'all. Here's what I want y'all to do. Go and make disciples of all nations. And then, boom, he's gone. And I can just imagine like them being like, okay, like what do we do now? And, you know. <laughs> Did somebody get the sermon notes from that? <laughs> yeah. But that was plan A. That was Jesus' plan A. And there, there is no plan B to take the gospel out to the world. Yeah. Like if that didn't work, then we're not, you know, we're not sitting here in Memphis, Tennessee, yeah. 2,000 years later being Christians, being plan, followers of Christ. Plan A is Peter who just denied you three times, what, yeah. like 40 days prior. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you, so you think about us, if you feel underqualified, like. I'm sure they did. Oh, yeah. They were just normal fishermen like teenagers. So, and they were entrusted with the world evangelization. So, um, but yeah, I mean, and from that, it works. It's the command of Jesus. Um, and then I think just it's how we respond to the gospel, like mm-hmm. being gospel driven. I think that looks like um, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. I think if we have ounce. any ounce of love for Christ in us, then our heart posture is. And I just want to do whatever it looks like to be obedient to you. And I think that starts with, you know, loving him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, the great commandment, Mm -hmm. and then the great commission, you know, right after that, go and make disciples of all nations. That's awesome. Good stuff, Robbie. It's good to see how that's impacted your life, in which I'm sure it's impacted a lot of people's lives, but you got the easy take because you got on first and you got to talk about disciple making. So. Happy to be here. Love it. Well, if you made it to the end of this, folks, thank you so much for listening to episode 25 of the Long Run Podcast. Actually, 
back up. Season three, episode two. Boom. I had my heading wrong on here. Just had Robbie Flack on here. Robbie, where can the people find you out there on social media since you're getting into photography and all that? <laughs> uh, well, if you like, if you're into hunting photography, you can check out my Instagram. That's basically all that's on there. <laughs> Every once in a while, I'll have a family pic, baby pic, something like that. But Priorities. Uh, at Robbie with the Y, Flack, F-L-A-C-K. Robbie with a Y. Yeah. Hobby Robbie. <laughs> it's it. Hobby Lobby. I get it now. <laughs> you just it's been like twenty minutes. <laughs> I'm promising hey, I'm not better late than never. Well, rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. I sure would appreciate it. And mm-hmm. you can check us out on Spotify as well. And if you didn't watch the video portion of this, you're really missing out. You're missing Robbie's good-looking face. So uh, check us out on YouTube. You can just search Weston Downing because um, we don't have official YouTube. Or you can just check all our stuff out at www.thelongrunpodcast.org. Thanks, Robbie. Got anything else you want to add? Man, it was a pleasure. Love doing it with you. Great. I'll just send you the invoice. We will see you <laughs> next week, people. That was awesome. Good job, man. You're natural. <laughs>